well just a couple short months ago when we began the semester, not one of us could have possibly imagined that we would take in a period of two weeks an all-on-site school and become an all-online school. That was a major feat that clearly shows the hand of God was with us to be able to do that. In fact, the bulk of that was done in four days. I want to publicly say thank you again to all of our faculty and staff for all of the hard work that you put in to make that possible. I want to thank uh, Tripper for joining us in that process and helping us in so many ways as well. And uh, everyone, we just really appreciate all that you did to bring us to that point. But you know, we had no idea that was going to take place. And even when that process began, we really did not understand all of the changes and all of the implications. In fact, we have found that just as we think we're understanding our new way of life, it changes once again, and this continues. One thing that has become absolutely clear to all of us is that the times that we are in are difficult, they're hard, and they're constantly changing. We know without a doubt that we do not know what is going to happen tomorrow. That has become a very real understanding in our life. We realize that uh, things are changing and things change so rapidly that we don't know uh, from one moment to the next exactly what is going to come our way. It's difficult when you're used to being in a college campus, going to classes together, seeing each other at the dorms, going to chapel together in your shepherd groups together, doing school activities together. It's difficult to all of a sudden become uh, in a position where you're pretty much isolated. And yet you have to persevere, you have to move on, you've got to finish uh, the semester. And even with all of the good work that has happened and all of the, the, uh, the things that have taken place to make it as, as good for each of our students as possible, it still is a major challenge. Uh, it's always a major challenge to juggle all of the things that we have on our schedules. But it becomes even more of a challenge in this time. You say, well, how is that? Well, because even though we may seem to have more time, it is very difficult to focus our mind and attention to stay on a schedule when we're not moving from one classroom to another. With all of the changes and all of the difficulties, how in the world can we do what our mission statement says? How can we gain the mind of a scholar, the heart of a shepherd, by having and exhibiting the perseverance of a soldier. Can we persevere? Can we finish this semester? Can you finish this semester? That may be questions that are going through your mind. Maybe you say, well, I'm not really cut out to do online work. How's this going to work? I don't know if the technology will work uh, consistently where I'm at. How is that going to work? Can I persevere? That's got to be a question in many people's minds today. You know what, believers in the first century were asking the same question. In 68 AD, they didn't know if they could persevere. The apostle Paul, who had been arrested and beaten many times, had now lost his life. He had become a martyr for the faith. Not only had Paul been killed by Nero, but so had Peter. And so the two primary apostles that everyone looked to were both dead, had lost their lives for being faithful to the word of God and to proclaim the gospel message. In addition, Nero began to just simply blame all of Rome's problems on the Christians. 
he found them a good scapegoat. And so really for the first time, the persecution began to expand outside of just Rome, outside of just Jerusalem, and it was no longer localized, but it was becoming an empire-wide persecution of Christians. And with their leaders lost, no doubt, they were saying, can we survive? Can we persevere? To add insult to injury, young Timothy had done his best to get to the Apostle Paul. We know in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul told him, come before winter so that you'll see me. He did his best to get there, and we have no idea if he actually made it before or after Paul's execution. But he made it to Rome. He was arrested himself. So now not only did the church at large know the persecution was going worldwide, not only did they know they had lost Paul, not only had they lost Peter, but now Paul's young protege in the faith was in prison himself. What was going to happen? Could the church survive? And into the midst of that, God sent a message through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the hand of the author of Hebrews to them to say, yes, you can persevere. You see, the answer to the question that they had and the answer to the question that you may have, can I persevere through this time as a student of NEBC? Can I persevere through this time as a faculty member or a staff member of NEBC? Can I persevere just simply in this difficult time that we're facing as a believer in Jesus Christ? And the answer is yes, you can. And God's word tells us how in Hebrews chapters 11 and 12. I want you to open there with me, and we're actually going to begin in Hebrews chapter 12. I know some of you are a little afraid right now while you're turning there or opening uh, your phone to that text because you say, well, we know how long President Ballard can preach on one verse, and if he's doing two chapters, we're in trouble. Well, don't worry about it. Uh, we're going to uh, not spend that much uh, time. I'm not going to go word by word through these two chapters for you. We're actually going to begin in chapter 12, and I want you to either follow along or listen as I read the first two verses. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In these two verses, we are introduced to some principles about how you and I can persevere for the rest of this semester. We know that uh, we sing the alma mater. In fact, I started to have uh, the team sing it today, but I decided not to do that and spring it on them at the last minute. Uh, but we know that in the alma maters, we sing that, that last verse talks about the fact that we are going to persevere as soldiers. But how can we do that? And we find the key to that uh, right here in these two verses that we read and then extending back into chapter 11 just a little bit. I want you to notice three truths about how you can persevere and finish this semester and finish it well. First of all, I want you to see that we will persevere by considering the examples that we have before us. 
we can persevere by considering our examples. Notice it there with me in verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, no, we're not talking about uh, the Google cloud. Okay, that's not what we're talking about there. But what we are talking about is a mass of people. That is what the author of Hebrews is communicating. He says, listen, because we are surrounded by this great mass of people that stand as an example of persevering through good times and through difficult times, therefore we must consider their example and that will help us to persevere. Right in the middle of the next verse, he gives us the key phrase where he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is what you must do. This is the command of God. If you are going to be faithful to God, you must persevere. You must endure. You must finish the race. But how do we do that? And we do it first by remembering the examples that God has given us. In fact, these two verses come on the heels of what we know of as the faith chapter. We will not read it all, but I want you to just note a few verses with me. Look in chapter 11 and verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his whole household. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Look at verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Look at verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were pilgrims, strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Look at verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Look down to verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents. Verse 24. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Verse 27. By faith he forsook Egypt. Verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, whereas the Egyptians, Egyptians attempting to do so 
were drowned. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell. Verse 32, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the alien, or armies of the aliens, women, received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promises. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us persevere to the end. You see, we look to the examples from the word of God. And we see how they suffered difficulties, how they acted in faith, how they were not passive. They did not hide. They actually moved forward to do what they could do for the glory of God as he led them to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have challenges before us. It's going to be very difficult to be focused. It's going to be very difficult to finish your classes. It's going to be very difficult to develop that mind of a scholar over the next few weeks to wrap up this semester and to do it well. But ladies and gentlemen, God called every one of us to this school. He has brought us to this moment and he knows what he's doing. We can trust him and we must move forward in faith. And ladies and gentlemen, not only do we need to continue to develop the mind of a scholar, but we've got to develop the heart of a shepherd. We've got to care for those people around us. We've got to look for opportunities to minister to those who are in our area. And I know we're isolated, and I know we're very limited on the interactions that we can have. But listen, I want you to know that God is in the business of opening doors of opportunity even when every other door seems to be shut. Just over the weekend on Friday night and then again on Saturday, I shared this in our live streaming of our church service on Sunday. But in those two opportunity, or two days, God gave me two opportunities by people texting the wrong number. It was somebody else's number. <laughs> the first guy texted me. He was actually looking to buy uh, half a beef uh, to put in his freezer. He wanted to, wanted to get this done. Uh, while there was opportunity, and he was asking me for it, uh, he thought I was somebody else. And uh, but through that opportunity, uh, God just put it on my heart. I'd been praying. God give me an opportunity to share the gospel with someone today. I don't know how it's going to happen uh, because people are staying across the street and that kind of thing from each other. And then this guy texts me, and all of a sudden the Lord said, "There's your opportunity." And I asked him if he was to die, if he knew for sure that he would spend eternity with God. And he said he hoped so, and that started our process. And we went all the way through the gospel together. Come to find out he had trusted Christ a long time ago in a Baptist church, but he had not been walking with the Lord, and it was an opportunity to call him back into a close relationship 
with Jesus Christ. Listen, God can open opportunities. Just be watching for them. There are ways that, that you can help in your community. Ask God to show you how that you can do that. We must press forward in developing the mind of a scholar, but also that heart of a shepherd. And we do that by persevering as soldiers in this time. This text tells us how, by looking at the examples before us. Some of these that we read are great victory moments. But remember that last section that we read. That's the part of Hebrews chapter 11 that we would probably rather not focus our attention on. Because we see of those who were beaten, who were stoned, who were cut in half. We see those who suffered persecution and wandered around destitute. We see the difficulties that they faced. But folks, even then, these examples before us were people who remained faithful to the Lord and what God had called them to do. God has called every one of us to finish this semester well. He brought us to this moment. This was not a surprise to him. It surprised all of us. We didn't begin this semester thinking that we would end it this way. But God understood that. And he is there to help you to finish well. And I want to encourage you today to look at the examples to be able to persevere. We will persevere by considering our examples. But we also will persevere by casting off our entanglements. Look with me again at verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. He says there's some things that if we're going to persevere, we've got to cast off. There's some things that we've got to lay aside. Now immediately our mind, when we start talking like that, thinks of the latter part of that verse. The sin that so easily entangles us. And that certainly is one of the things that he tells us we must lay aside. That's one of the things that we should cast off. There are many places in Scripture that tell us to put away the works of, of the flesh, to put away the deeds of the old man. And this is a repetition of that concept, putting away sin. The sin in our life, constantly seeking God, saying, Lord, show me where there's sin so that I can confess it and so that I can cast it away, so that I can put it off, because if I don't, it will entangle me. It will entrap me. It will ensnare me. It will distract me. That word that we see there for ensnare could mean ensnared as in captured, or it could mean just simply distracted. Sin does both. Sin distracts us from the things that God wants us to do. Sin also will ensnare us as the old preachers used to say, sin will, will keep you longer than you want to stay, will cost you more than you want to pay. That is the idea that is conveyed here. Sin needs to be set aside. It needs to be cast aside. We don't play with the fire of sin. And if we do, we're headed for disaster. You want to be assured that you will not persevere as a believer finishing this semester, doing the things that God has called you to do, ministering to others, the way to ensure it is to get caught up in your sin. He says, cast it aside and you will be able to persevere. 
But there is another concept, and he doesn't even begin with sin. And it's something we need to understand. He says, let us lay aside every weight. The idea of laying aside every weight is not talking about sin in your life. It's not talking about uh, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't watch pornography. It's not talking about those things. That is included in the second half and the issue of sin. But what the first half is about is it's about this. Don't let the other things that are not so important distract you from doing what God wants you to do. We have so many distractions. We have so many things that are okay things, but they're not good things. We have so many things that it's okay to do them. It's not sin if we are engaged in that. But if we get caught up in that at this moment, it will keep us from finishing the task that God has placed before us. It will keep us from developing the mind of a scholar and the heart of a shepherd. And so we need to set those things aside. There are things that I love to do that I just don't do very often because they are not so important as to what God has called us to do. But it means more than that. Because there are some things that are not just okay, they're good things. There are good things in life that we could do. But they're not the best thing for us right now. You see, right now, we need to be very careful in how we choose our time to spend our time. We need to be very, very careful in how we choose to spend our talents, our abilities. We need to be very, very careful in how we choose to spend our treasures, what money we have, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot. More so than at any other time. That is a reality of the changing world that you and I live in. We could spend our time, our talents, and our treasures, and we could spend those doing good things and miss out on the best things that God has for us. We have to be more intentional about our time right now than ever before. Many of you that have had me as either a shepherd leader or in some of my classes have seen my schedule. And uh, you've seen how I block out, I have a block schedule of my time uh, from five o'clock in the morning until about 11 o'clock at night. And uh, in between there is just all one color that says sleep and uh, I don't always get that. But that's my goal is to sleep between those times. And uh, then otherwise my time is blocked out. Uh, those who have worked in my office uh, also know uh, that uh, even my scheduling of appointments is based upon that, and I am very intentional about how I spend my time. I want you to know that in the last two weeks, I have, as, as disciplined as I have tried to be in my life about time and time management, the last two weeks have been a challenge for me, and they're going to be a challenge for you. And we must constantly evaluate what do I need to lay aside? What do I need to say? You know what? This isn't that important because I've got to do what God wants me to do. I've got to develop that mind of a scholar. I've got to develop that heart of a shepherd in caring for other people. So I'm going to have to put some things that I would like to do aside so that I can accomplish 
what God wants me to do. We all know that uh, Dr. Williams uh, likes to run, and he's liked to run for as long as I've known him. In fact, when I first met him uh, over in New Hampshire, he used to run all over through Hooksit and over back over to where he his house was over in West Manchester and and through um, through uh, the college campus that he worked on at that time. Then it was Southern New Hampshire College, now Southern New Hampshire University. And uh, we all we know that he enjoys doing that. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but he's actually ran marathons before and all kinds of stuff like that. And so I have uh, I have watched him when he was running. I've seen him when he was running as I was driving down the road. And uh, I have noticed something about him. Uh, Dr. Dr. Williams, uh, you know, he's not a big guy like me. So this time of year, when we might have cold snaps, he needs a lot of clothes. You know, he might, he might have on a T-shirt and a shirt and a vest and a sweater and a jacket and then a heavy coat over that. But do you know, when, when I have seen Dr. Williams running, I have never seen him running in an overcoat. That's not what he does. When he is running, he lays aside his overcoat. He takes off that bolo tie that he wears everywhere around here. He, he takes off his western shirt. He, he takes off that, that uh, cowboy boots. He doesn't wear much as I like to see him in his cowboy boots. He doesn't wear them when he's out running. But instead, he wears these little shorts and this uh, tank top shirt. And he wears these, uh, these tennis shoes with these short little socks. And he goes out there and he runs. And that's what, now I know you're all laughing and you're saying that's not fair. He's in his basement. He can't even get you back, President Ballard. But I'm sure he'll find a way to do so. But anyway, we see him run that way. Why? Because he understands that when you're going for a marathon, you do not put on coats. A coat is a good thing in Vermont, particularly in January, February, and March. But a coat is not a good thing when you're running a marathon. We need to lay aside some good things to focus our mind on doing what God has called us to do. The text teaches us that we can persevere and we will persevere. We will persevere if we will consider our examples. We will persevere if we'll cast off our entanglements. But then third, we see in this text that we will persevere if we concentrate on our Savior. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down on the right, at the right hand of the throne of God. Ladies and gentlemen, we glance to our examples, but we gaze at our ultimate example. We gaze at the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you can lay aside your entanglements and you can consider all of the great witnesses and the word of God and examples of faith that you have known in your life, but the ultimate thing that is going to help you persevere is by looking to Jesus. The word look literally means to consider very carefully and intently. It is the idea of your eyes are fixed on him. Your eyes 
are fixed on Jesus. And it tells us he is the author and the finisher of our faith. That means it is because of him that we can even have faith. And it is also because of him and he is the one who will complete our faith or will bring our faith to sight. He will bring our faith to its completed end. He is the one where our faith rests. Folks, it is not enough just to have faith. It is not enough even just to say, I believe in God. In fact, it's not even enough just to say, well, I believe Jesus is really the Son of God. But what we're talking about here is absolute trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who died for you, who was buried and rose again. Not only trusting him for salvation, but keeping your eyes focused upon him, gazing on him, never taking your eyes off him, trusting that he will bring your faith to sight. Trusting that he will complete the work in you that he has begun. Trusting that he brought you to start this semester and he will strengthen you and empower you to complete this semester if you'll keep your eyes on him and everything else that he's called you to do in this life day by day and moment by moment. You know, one of the ways that God prepares us for the future that he has for us when we're in college is by teaching us to trust him more today. And that prepares us to trust him more in the future. This moment in time is not what any of us chose. This is not what we want. It's not what I want. I want to see you. I told you in an email last night, faculty, staff, and students, that I miss seeing everybody in the hall. Sometimes on a very, very busy day, I'll just come out the door and, and just look over at Miss Carter and say, I'm, I'm going for a walk. I'll be back. And what I do is I just walk and I look and I see you in classrooms and I see you in the study and I see you playing pool and I see our professors and our staff working in their offices. And it's just a, a comfort and a joy and a blessing to me to see everyone doing exactly what God has called you to do. And I miss doing that today. It's not something that I chose. It's not something that you chose to be where we're at. But ladies and gentlemen, God is in the business of taking what other people, including our enemy, Satan, means for evil and using it for good and using it for his glory. And if you will put your eyes on Jesus and fix them there and not take them off, he will use COVID-19 and this disruption in our lives and this disruption in our school and this disruption in the way we have to do class and chapel and everything else. And he will take that and he will use it to strengthen you. He will use it to prepare you. He will use it to deepen your walk with Jesus Christ. If you will put your eyes on Jesus and keep them right there. He does that just simply because he's our Lord and Savior. But he also, as I mentioned a moment ago, is our ultimate example. Because he's a greater example than, than Abraham, than Moses, than Sarah, than Jephthah, than any of those that were mentioned in this text of Hebrews chapter 11. 
He's the greatest example. And we see that in the closing part of verse 2. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Folks, we have not yet resisted unto bloodshed. We've faced some difficult times and we're facing them right now. But we've not yet resisted to bloodshed, even as Paul or Peter. But Jesus endured the cross. He endured the most torturous death that the Roman Empire ever did. He endured that for you and me. But when it says he endured the cross, it doesn't just mean the physical pain that he went through. It is a reminder to us that for the only time in all of eternity, Jesus was separated from the Father as he suffered the wrath of God upon sin for you and me. Every sin you've ever committed, every sin I've ever committed, every sin every individual who has ever lived on the face of the earth committed was placed on Jesus, and Jesus suffered the wrath of the Father upon sin for you. He endured that. Not only the physical pain, not only the emotional pain, not only the mental pain, but the spiritual pain for you and for me. And it was shameful. Hanging on a cross just of itself in the Roman Empire was, was a shameful thing. Hanging there in disgrace. But notice what the text says. He despised the shame. That means he, it was as nothing to him. The shame was just like, oh well. It wasn't a big thing. We're so worried about what other people think that, that we easily are shamed. But Jesus was in the ultimate position of shame. And he looked at it as nothing. Why? Because look again at the first part. Who for the joy that was set before him. Jesus didn't look at the circumstances. He looked to the other side. Jesus didn't look at the circumstances. He looked at, at what was coming after the cross. He, he didn't just look to Friday, he looked to Sunday morning when he rose from the dead. He didn't just look to rising from the dead, but he looked to that 40 days when, when he would appear to his disciples and he would teach them for 40 more days, even with 500 at once, preparing them for the task that he had for them to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Jesus didn't even just look to there, but he looked to that moment that we read about in Acts chapter 1 when he would ascend back to heaven and he would go back to the Father's presence and he would be seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He looked for the end. And folks, Jesus didn't even just look to the moment he would sit down at the right hand of the Father. But he was looking to the ultimate joy of when he will step out on the clouds and come back for his children. And he was looking for the ultimate joy when with his children he will return to this earth and establish his millennial reign. And he wasn't just looking to the millennial reign, but he was looking to all of eternity in a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more crying. He was looking to the future. How can you endure 
Yeah, you do it by considering your examples. You do it by casting off your entanglements. But you do it by looking and concentrating and gazing on our Lord Jesus who will carry you through and who sets the example for you to look forward. Right there, wherever you're at, if you're watching at your kitchen table or sitting in your most comfortable chair or in your bed or in your car, wherever you're at, I want to ask you just to bow your heads just for a moment. Right there where you're at. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, this is what I want you to do for just a minute with me. I want you to forget about the room that you're in. And I want you to look forward in time to a day when we're all gathered back together again. And we're rejoicing at that next chapel service when we're all in the same room. It's your next class time, hanging out in the commons over the Hebrews Cafe, playing pool together. Now I want you to look past that to that moment when you cross the graduation stage And you shake Dr. Williams' hand, and you shake my hand, you shake the hand of the trustee, and you receive your diploma. I want you to look past that to the day that you step out from this place and you serve God wherever it is that he has you to serve. And I want you to look past that to the day that everyone stands around your grave and your spirit enters heaven. And you look to Jesus. And now not just by faith, but you look to him in sight. And you hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that I have set before you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will keep your eye on eternity, if you keep your eye on Jesus, then you will persevere. You will finish the race that God has set before you, no matter what obstacles are thrown in your way. You will do what God has called you to do. Father, we come before you. God, we ask that you would help us to, yes, look at our examples and persevere. Father, we ask that you would help us to get serious about managing our, our time, our talents, and our treasures. And lay aside everything that distracts and that will entangle us and keep us and distract us from accomplishing what you have placed before us. Father, some of them are good, are good things, but they're not the best things for this moment in time. Give us wisdom to distinguish that. And give us the strength to cast aside those weights that easily beset us. Father, help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Help us to concentrate on him. Help us to glance at the examples. But help us to gaze at the ultimate example. 
Jesus, we know you'll carry us through. We'll persevere because you enable us to persevere. And so today we look to you to bring us through this, to bring us back together, and to use us for your glory and ministering to other people all along the way. And Jesus, we look forward to the day when we'll gather around your throne for all of eternity, praising you, worshiping you, and serving you, working for you, but without the pains of sorrow and death and sin. Help us to keep our eyes fixed upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. NEBC, I'm so glad to have had this time to worship with you, even though it's in a strange way. Those in systematic theology class, I'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Have a great day.